0: Remember that back in 1928 and in the later times even, hilarious doesn't just mean funny, but it also means joyful. And so these are songs that are meant to have joy. Now, unfortunately, the world has a number of people in it who think that you can't have joy if you're a Christian. I mean, I've, I've used this example before. But you know Billy Joel's song, Only the Good Die Young. I mean, his his whole point in the song is this idea that, that religious people can't have fun. His whole idea of the song, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than die with the saints. Sinners have much more fun. That's the lyric from the song. And I want to go find Billy Joel. And I want to sit down with him and say... Please, let me share with you my life and the life of many of my dear friends who have so much more fun than the sinners. I mean, we've got reason to have fun. We've got reason to be joyful. We've got reason to rejoice. There's a God who made us. We know him. We've got a God who is higher than any ruler on earth. We know him and we don't have to make an appointment to talk to him. If I were to ask you, hey, do you want to talk this afternoon to President Obama or President-elect Trump? You might say, yeah, I kind of like that, but can you pull it off? And the answer would be, no, I can't. But if you want to talk to the king of kings, to the Lord of lords, to the ruler of all, I can pull that off. Because I know the intermediary, Jesus. I can introduce you to him. And you have the 100% 24-7 connection to God Almighty. And this is a God who is interested in your life being as rich and full as it can be. Now, who's not going to be joyful? Joyful. I don't need to go get plastered with liquor to enjoy my life. I've been, to use Paul's analogy, plastered with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, don't get drunk with wine, get drunk with the Spirit. You can be plastered with God and be absolutely joyful regardless of what the world's throwing at you. And that's what we have in carols, which brings to mind our first carol joy to the world. The Lord is come. Now, here's the way we're going to do it. I don't know that you can read those lyrics. Can you read them from the back, or is that too small? It's too small. So if we go to the Elmo, let's see if we can improve it. I'll have to move this up and down. Can we move to the Elmo? Yeah. Is that big enough for you to be able to read? Okay then we've got eight or so people that are going to help us here. Who are our singers? Come up on stage. Come on, come on, come on, everybody. Give them a hand. <clears throat> I want to tell you that they had a full five minutes notice about this. They don't even know what <laughs> the songs are. They're getting passed out as we speak. Uh, y'all, I think this is on page like four. If you want to open it up, and uh, we got two, four, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. (laughs) Mark Wilkie sings alone as a tenor. We've got Clark and James. Ah, come on, come on up here. We've got two basses here. We've got two strong altos. We've got two sopranos. And you're going to be singing the melody or what? She's going to sing whatever hits her. Okay? So, here's what the rest of y'all need to do. Not simply listen. We're going to sing it out. Okay? You're going to find that inner church of Christ that's non-instrumental. And you're gonna sing it out, right Debbie? Okay. Who's, who's, uh, leading this parade? Clark? That last bit, y'all don't even need the lyrics. Once you get it once, you got it each time. Now, look at these lyrics for a minute. Yeah, we're going to speed it up. Okay, because otherwise we're going to make it through two hymns. Okay? Uh, Yeah, yeah, and let's let's, everybody remember you're supposed to be smiling. This is joy to the world. Okay? All right. Uh, We're going for the second verse. Okay? Let's go. Okay, time out. Time out. This is miserable. Okay. We're going to do one key and one key alone. Joy to the world. Joy, joy. That's our key. Joy. Everybody's on joy. Okay, ready, set. Joy to the
1: world. The Savior reigns. Let's know their, their songs employ. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy,
0: repeat, repeat the sounding joy, time out. Now, y'all rest your voices for a minute while we talk. Go back to the PowerPoint. Let me tell you about this hymn for a minute. Or are you ready to be shocked? All right, the hymn, I've reproduced the lyrics there in green. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I'd like to compare that to Psalm 98 for a moment. So keep that fresh in your brain as you look at Psalm 98. If we go to the Elmo. Elmo. Okay, sing to the Lord a new song, for he's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation and revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise. Noise. Let the sea roar all that fills it. The rivers clap their hands. The hills will sing for joy before the Lord, for he rules the earth, comes to judge the earth, and with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, those should seem related. Because the lyrics, if we go back to the PowerPoint, the lyrics of Joy to the World were written by Isaac Watts in the 1700s off of Psalm 98. Now here's the rub. He didn't write it as a Christmas song. He wrote it about the second coming of Jesus. So the lyrics are actually about when Jesus returns, not the advent and the first coming and the incarnation. This is not a nativity carol. It's a carol about the second coming. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king, Jesus coming again. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. He comes again. Let all their songs employ. Fields, floods, rocks, hills, plains. Repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow. No more let thorns infest the ground, the curse. For he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Isn't that kind of cool to realize? Now, here's the coolest part for me as I put it in this slide, both the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus center on God being made right with his people. The reason Christmas is incredible is not because God became human and that's the end of the story. It's because that's the unfolding of this good news of how God redeems us from the curse and that redemption finds fruition and fulfillment When Jesus comes again, the victory's been won on Calvary. The resurrection is the assurance that Jesus will come again. And so no more let sin and sorrow reign because Jesus is coming again. Make sense? So this is a Christmas carol worth singing with an eye not only towards the first coming of Jesus, but the last coming of Jesus. So let's rip out again that first verse. I'll put it up this way. You all know the melody. Sing that first verse with them. And, and, uh, 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 and, then, and then we'll jump to the last verse. He rules the world. Okay? You all ready? Who's going to lead this? All right. Let her rip. Welcome to the world
1: is come. Let earth receive
0: her King, king
1: and every heart return, and, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and, and heaven and nature sing. He rules the, the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations sing. And, and wondering His love and, wonder his, love, and
0: wonder his love. Very good. Give everyone an applause on that one, y'all. Just lift it up to the Lord, looking at His second coming and looking at His first coming. Okay, with that. Both the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus mean peace and rest for God's children. This world will never spiral outside of God's control. God wins. God trumps it. How many of you have ever experienced misery in this world? I'm glad most of you are still awake. Because we've all experienced it. How many of you have ever experienced misery in this world that God can't win over? Nobody. Because God can take the misery of this world and turn it into some measure of blessing for His people. Doesn't mean God likes us miserable. Doesn't mean God is uh, uh, promoting some horrible things that are done of which many people have wrongly been victimized. But it means no matter what it is, God is able to win the ultimate battle. That everything will redound to his glory and to your and my good. And so we can find rest in the midst of turmoil. One of the main themes of the New Testament book of Hebrews is that we enter into the rest of God. We live in the Sabbath because we live after Jesus Christ's incarnation. And that's the assurance of the second coming. So both mean peace and rest, the first coming and the second coming for God's children. With that, God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. Let's see if I can't find the lyrics to put up here for the rest of you. This is not one that we typically all know off the top of our heads, but uh, maybe it should be. It's got some pretty good theology in it. So we are on page eight. How many of you think you know this, at least the melody? Okay, I expect to hear it again. So profound. Heaven knows our wonderful choir can use the help. How many of y'all want to do it in the same key this time? Let's, uh, let's get that one ready to go. It starts with a, a, a nice little E. Someone want to hit an E? No, we're not going to stick with unison. Okay, fine. All right, no, no, that's fine. I didn't give you any warning. That's okay. All right. Ready? Let us go. Oh, Merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Tidings of comfort and joy, comfort
1: and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and
0: joy. Time out. Let's look at that. Lyrically, this is really good. God rest you. Merry gentlemen. Don't let anything have you dismayed. Some people, Christmas season is is really tough. There are a lot of people who tell me that in every family, there's one person that's guaranteed to make it a tough Christmas. I don't know if that's true or not, because I've been blessed with an incredible family where I'm probably that guy. <laughs> so for me, it's great. For everyone else, it's, oh my gosh, Mark's going to be here. Um, so let me speak to my family. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. That's a tiding of comfort and joy. So don't be dismayed. Be comforted. Be joyful. As the second verse says, from God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came and. Unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Fear not. Then, said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a savior of a pure virgin bright. To free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Um, That's pretty good stuff. So we're going to sing that third verse. And then um, we'll move to the next carol. You ready? Fear not then. All right, right, go. Fear Fear not then, said the
1: angel. Let nothing you affright. It day is born a savior of a pure virgin bride to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort
0: and joy. Now, after I've bragged on that theologically, I need to also diss it a little bit. Jesus was not born on December 25th. I know it. I'm sorry. We don't know why we celebrate it December 25th either. We don't know when he was born. About all we know for certain is it wasn't December 25th. For the shepherds to have their sheep out at that uh, uh, part of the world tells you, out in the field, it wasn't December 25th. December 25th, first of all, the early church did not even celebrate the birth of Christ. The earliest church, you go to Acts, the church thought Jesus was returning any day now. And they weren't celebrating much of any holidays. You don't even read about an Easter service in the New Testament. But, as time began to reveal God's plan in God's patience, in God's desire for a world to be saved. As that plan began to be revealed, the church began to realize that that they didn't want to lose track of certain things of merit and value. The very first gospel likely written was the gospel of Mark. And you're not going to read much about the birth of Christ in the gospel of Mark. If you want to read about the birth of Christ, you need to go to the gospel of Matthew Or the Gospel of Luke. Because as the church was getting more distance, that became more important. The earliest church references we have to celebrating the birth of Christ are actually from a heretical movement called the Gnostic movement. The Gnostics weren't too big on the death of Christ. In fact, it threw their whole theology for a loop. But they were really good about the birth of Christ. So they would celebrate the birth of Christ. Some of the earliest Christians didn't think it right to do. But once the church recognized that it was a good thing, then the church began to address, okay, well, when was he born? And at that point, it was too late. So there have been mainly three theories as to why we celebrate on December 25th. One theory is that uh, December 25th was right at the end of the Roman Saturnalia Festival, where they were all... Uh, consumed by the passions and the, the, the drunken partying and revelry of Saturnalia, worshiping the sun god Saturn. So it was real easy for the Christians at that time to slip in a celebration and a worship of uh, uh, Jesus, the son of God. That, that is the predominant view over in Europe. In America, I think this point uh, among scholars, the predominant view is actually more of what's called the calendar view. And that is, there was a time period in uh, the first few centuries of the church when there were a number of people who thought that really holy people would die on their birthday because they didn't read the Bible. Um, they, they read the Bible and, and they took it seriously, but they didn't read it with uh, necessarily the mindset that we, for instance, would read it with. And so if it said that Moses lived to be 120 and then he died, they thought that meant he must have died on his birthday because it didn't say 120 you know, years, three months, two days. So all of those holy men in the Old Testament who were given years for how long they lived, they thought that meant they all died on their birthday. So if Jesus, they constructed the math and they figured out Jesus they thought died on March 25th. So that must mean Jesus' birthday was March 25th. But no... Jesus' birthday, you wouldn't celebrate. You would celebrate his conception day. For that's when Jesus came to earth, when Mary conceived him. So it would be nine months before that. So you chart it all out. Somehow it worked out to December 25th. I'm not sure how. But that's one of the other options. The third option is, well, Santa Claus comes that night anyway, so we might as well just celebrate it all at once. The ultimate gift with uh, the human uh uh efforts uh uh, i i'm i'm uh, not partial to any but i can tell you christmas day is not the day so with that if we go back to the powerpoint the one thing that we can say is powerpoint powerpoint's coming up coming up coming up ah the one thing we can say is uh, christ was not born on christmas day so where did we get our 12 days of christmas from don't worry they're not gonna sing 12 days of christmas Though it might be rather entertaining. And remember, one of the features of a carol is it's supposed to be hilarious. So, where did these 12 days of Christmas come from? Well, the various churches celebrate Christmas on various days. Especially different, the Eastern, from the Western churches. And January 6th is a recognized day for Christmas. It's the last Of the 12 days of Christmas. January 6th is the day the Magi come. And since the Magi come on January 6th, you've got December 25th to January 6th. Those are the 12 days of Christmas. We don't do that much in America. I mean, by January 6th, most people have their lights down, their trees are up, the yards raked. But if you go over to Europe, people who are celebrating Christmas, uh, some places they'll celebrate up through January 6th and would think us atrocious and commercial that we're already moving on to St. Patrick's Day or whatever comes next. Valentine's Valentine's Day. Yeah. So 12 days of Christmas. That's what the day of the Magi, January 6th. So let's give a great verse to we three kings. We don't have too much time. But we sure ought to be able to get in one of these, uh, uh, verses. It's page 13. Choir. <laughs> I'm using that word loosely. No, with great appreciation. Great appreciation. All right. Y'all ready? All right. Let's see. I, I'm, you'll beat me this time. So it's my fault. All right. Hold on. All right. Let's ready y'all. Let's go. Three kings
1: of Orient are, Bearing gifts we traverse afar, Field and fountain, moor and mountain, Following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, Star with royal beauty bright, Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Third verse. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising all men raising, worship him, Lord, on high. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star of loyal beauty, bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to
0: thy perfect light. Now, that song is based on a passage out of Matthew. If we go back to the PowerPoint, please. Based on a passage about uh, from Matthew, Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now, that's the basis of the song. You'll And they do bring, if you continue reading, gold and frankincense and myrrh. But you'll see, uh, whoops, I skipped too quick. You'll see in that passage, where does it say they were kings? doesn't. Where does it say there were three? It doesn't. So where did our church tradition get we three kings of Orient are? A couple of places. Start with Isaiah 60, verses 3. And six, nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. The early church understood that to be a reference to the magi who were coming to the bright light, to the stars, they followed it to find Jesus. The nations, wise men from the east, nations means outside of Israel, the goyim, the the ethnos, The nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising, the star. A multitude of camels will cover you. They're bringing camels. They will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, where's the myrrh? Myrrh was the name of one of the camels. It's actually Murray, but they call him myrrh for short. So they'll bring f- gold and frankincense and will bear good news. The good news in Greek is our word gospel. Euangelos in the Greek. And, and the, this, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament at the time of the early church actually uses that word here. They will bring, bear the gospel of the praises of the Lord. So the church said that must be kings. The wise men who came, the magi. Now, how do we know three? Some people say, well, gold, frankincense, and myrrh the camel. Um, Not necessarily. Origen from Alexandria was in, in that early church stage. He was one of the leaders at reading the Old Testament allegorically. And so he took this passage out of Genesis 26, 26 through 31. And in the passage, let's throw it up here, Genesis 26... 26 through 31 in the passage we read about the following and this is in reference to Isaac the son of Abraham now Origen believed that Isaac was a prototype or a foreshadowing or an allegorical example of Jesus that's why Abraham was going to offer him as a sacrifice. And God said, no, 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 don't really do it. You know, stop. I'm going to sacrifice my son instead. But that was to show us that Isaac is considered a prototype for Jesus. And so when we read about Isaac, the stories that were included in the Torah were reading about Jesus. And that was the thinking of Origen. So Origen gets to this passage. When Abimelech... And Abimelech was a king in that area. He was king of the Philistines. When Abimelech went to Isaac from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Philcol, the commander of his army, so it's how many people? Three. Isaac, seeing them, said, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me, and you've sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us. Let us make a covenant that you'll do us no harm just as we've not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You're now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast. They ate, they drank. In the morning they rose early. They exchanged their oaths and Isaac sent them on their way in. They departed from him in peace. And so Origen thought that that was a reference as well, a prototype or a foreshadowing of the Magi. So now we have we three kings of Orient are, if we go back to the PowerPoint. And that's the basis for that uh, uh, hymn or carol. Now, while we're on the subject of church tradition, how about this one? Who was good King Wenceslas, and what was he doing on the Feast of Stephen? You guys got that one? All right. What page is good king? Look, we got to sing this. And when you sing this, you've got to enjoy it. I mean, come on. This is, you got to feel German almost or Czech. Okay. You ready? All right. Let's have fun with it. King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen.
1: When the snow lay round about, dip in crisp and even,
0: brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel, when a poor man came inside, gathering winter fuel. All right. Now we'll pause for a moment and read some of these words. Hither, page. And stand by me, if thou knowest it, telling yonder peasant, who is he? Where and what's his dwelling? Sire, he lives a good league hence underneath the mountain, right against the forest fence by St. Agnes Fountain. Are you intrigued? Well, let's read on. Bring me flesh! Now, he's not calling out for a woman. He's calling about for food. Okay, he is not a vegetarian is what we're reading into this. Bring me flesh and bring me wine, bring me pine logs hither. Thou and I will see him dine when we bear them thither. Page and monarch, forth they went, forth they went together. Through the rude winds, wild lament, and the bitter weather. I know you're thinking, boy, I hope he keeps reading. I'd like to know the end of the story. (laughs) Sire, the night is darker now and the wind blows stronger. Fails my heart. I know not how. I can go on no longer. Mark my footsteps, my good page. Tread thou in them boldly. Thou shalt find the winter's rage. Freeze thy blood less coldly. So in his master's steps he trod where the snow lay dented. Heat was in the very sod which the saint had printed. Therefore, Christian men, be sure, wealth or rank possessing, ye who now will bless the poor shall yourselves find blessing. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, don't laugh. <laughs> it's supposed to be hilarious. No, um, Go back to PowerPoint, please. So let me tell you about Wenceslas. First of all, how many of you are of Czech heritage? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, y'all could be like related to this guy. Wenceslas was a duke. He wasn't actually, well, he was made king after he was dead by Otto I because he was such a saint. But he was actually a duke who lived in the 900s, who spent his time and energy visiting the poor. He'd visit the widows and the poor and he'd give them things. He'd take food to people who were in prison. He was a great guy who got killed by his brother and a few other people who didn't think he was such a great guy. But all of these legends about him sprung up afterwards and Otto I made him a saint or made him a king. The pope made him a saint. And so now you've got good King Wenceslaus and somewhere in the 1800s or something, Some fellow named Neil over in England decided he was inspired and he wrote this poem and he put it to this melody. Now the melody had been around since the, oh heavens, since the 1600s. But it's a springtime melody. Now we sing this song today, but I got news for you. I don't know anybody who really sings it because they're moved by the words. We sing it because it's fun. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen. You know, it just sounds fun when the snow lay round about. You know, it's got snow in it. It's got like, you know, Feast of Stephen. Come on, like, who knows that? Well, I, my our Catholic troop in here might, but the rest of us don't. You know, our feast means what we do on Thanksgiving. It's not something we do to honor dead saints, generally. The Feast of Stephen is December 26th. It's known in England as Boxing Day. It's actually a celebration. Boxing Day is not because that was when Muhammad Ali did the thriller in Manila. Boxing Day probably comes from the boxes that the churches put out to collect gifts for the poor and others on St. Stephen's Day. Stephen, being the first martyr of the church that we read about in Acts, who also, before he's martyred, is mentioned for being someone who's an upright man who helped pass out things to widows and took care of the the distribution for the poor in the church. So out of this, Neil writes this song, and he steals a springtime melody that in Latin, the real title of it means the blooms are coming up, the blossoms are, are happening. It's blossom time. Is the, the the Latin, and so he takes that Latin melody. Now, here's what happens. So, in the 1928 Oxford Book of Carols, here's what they said: This rather confused narrative owes its popularity to the tune, "Tempus adest floridum," and then I've inserted Latin for "bloom time has come." Unfortunately, Neil in 1853 substituted for the spring. Carol, this good King Wenceslas, one of his less happy pieces, poor and commonplace to the last degree. The time has not yet come for a comprehensive book to throw it out, so we're reprinting it. But we're only doing it with the hope that gradually it's going to be passed into disuse and the tune can go back to being sung in the spring. Poor Neil. And a guy worked hard on this, and I think it very fitting that here we are almost a 100 years later, 90 years after this edition of the Oxford Book of Carols, and we're still singing it. <laughs> okay. As for plain old tradition, how about jolly old St. Nicholas? I'm not going to make the choir sing this, but I am going to tell you, because they don't know it. I am going to tell you that uh, in the written lesson that you got emailed to you is the history of Santa Claus. And it might be worth your reading. Saint Nick, real man. Uh, 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 really a good saint. He was a good saint because he took care of the poor and stuff. But he also was a saint who cared about orthodoxy and is rumored to have punched out a heretic at the Council of Nicaea. So, you know, he was part boxer too. Um, jolly old Saint Nick. Don't cross him or he's got a cross for you. Uh, so... We'll conclude this class with a Noel. Now, Noel used to be spelled N-O-W-E-L-L. We've shortened it to N-O-E-L. It's got a fond place in my heart because I was holding our son, Will. Uh, he was at the time, well, he would have either been one. or well, I mean, he, he was either 14 months or he was 26 months. When I was holding him at church as we sang it. And, you know, you've got the chorus, Noel, well, Noel. Well. And he looks up at me as I'm singing it. And he says, no will? No will? And he thought I was like saying no will, which I wasn't. But Noel is a word that basically means a, a song of Christmas, a Christmas song. An exclamation of joy is what it originally was, which takes us right back to what Christmas carols were. They were an explanation of joy. So, with that, let's conclude this lesson, and I bless you in the name of Jesus. With the songs, the first Noel Clark, Are We in Voice? All right. Yeah, we're, we're while they plan. I'll tell you. Uh, uh, all right, we're good now.
1: No well the angel did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields where they Lay keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of
0: Israel. Thank you guys so much. Can we thank them again? I want to thank you all for a fantastic year. Thank you for honoring us with your time. May God bless each of you with a joyous, safe holiday. See you January the 8th.